report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Lake Flakes pile high. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast ski country in the thick of things when it comes to a multi-day snow event. It's getting tiring. Yeah, I'm getting too old for this. Some of the worst impacted areas south and east of Lakes Erie and Ontario will see up to three feet of lake effect by tomorrow night. This is Buffalo. And we should know how to deal with it all. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown. The next snowstorm is already on our doorstep, but we are ready to meet this next blast of winter weather head on. Driving bans are now in effect in several Buffalo suburbs. Scores of schools are shut down too. And it's not just the snow, but also the cold to contend with. Reporter Maggie Vespa. Dangerous temperatures maintaining an icy grip on the country. I ain't never felt none like this. 95 million Americans remain under wind chill alert. Some of the coldest air of winter has invaded New York and Pennsylvania and much of the nation too. With that wind, it's feeling like single digits out there today, says meteorologist Janice Dean. We have wind chill alerts for millions of folks stretching from Minneapolis down to Mobile, Alabama, Jacksonville, Florida, Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, so it's cold, and it's going to remain cold the next couple of days. And that Arctic air that's blanketed the country and kept you under your blanket as well could soon cost you more at the grocery store. There, there's a worry about the food prices. But, adds economist Alan Jin. I think that any sort of disruptions to the shipment of, of goods is just going to be temporary. The supply chain problems due to the fact that big rigs are jackknifed on freeways and iced over planes or at the airports. Some of the coldest air of winter enveloping New York and Pennsylvania today. Daytime highs, as we mentioned, not expected to make it out of the teens, but feeling much colder than that with the wind. It's game on in the Granite State. I'm thrilled to be back with the uh, people of the great state of New Hampshire. Fresh off his big caucus win in Iowa, Donald Trump hit the ground running last night in New Hampshire, which votes Tuesday in the first in the nation primary election. And I know that New Hampshire will never let us down. It's time for the Republican Party to unify, come together and move forward as one team. Joining Trump on the stump last night was former GOP candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. I am asking you to do the right thing as New Hampshire and to vote for Donald J. Trump as your next president, because we're not working with a lot of time here. If our kids are in high school before we get this right, we don't have a country left. Political pundit Anthony Salvanto says voters in New Hampshire are much different than Iowa. You're going to find more moderate Republicans. Compared to Iowa, there's a lot fewer voters in New Hampshire who call themselves part of the MAGA movement. Nikki Haley's hoping to capitalize on New Hampshire's independent voters to help her close the gap with Trump. Here's what she told supporters last night in New Hampshire. I voted for President Trump twice. I was honored to serve America in his administration, but rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. You know I'm right. Chaos follows him. We can't have a country in disarray and a world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. Nearly 40% of registered voters in New Hampshire are independent voters. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin continues his recovery from prostate cancer surgery. This has newly released 911 tapes, shed new light on the mystery 
stories surrounding his medical condition. Those tapes suggest at least one of Austin's aides wanted to keep his hospitalization a secret. Fairfax County 911, where is your emergency? It was New Year's Day just after 7 p.m. when Lloyd Austin's aide called 911 from the defense secretary's home. Can I ask, like, can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, usually when they turn into a residential neighborhood, they'll turn them off, uh, but they're required by law to run with them with the main street. In the newly released audio, the dispatcher then asks about Austin's condition. Did he pass out or does he feel like he's going to pass out? Uh, no. The Pentagon previously said Austin was taken to the hospital for complications following a surgery to treat prostate cancer about two weeks earlier. If we need them to take him to Walter Reed Medical, is that a possibility? Let them know that when they get there. Doctors at Walter Reed say Austin was first diagnosed in early December. The 911 call now adding to questions about why President Biden was not informed of that diagnosis for a month. Correspondent Gabe Gutierrez, Secretary Austin was discharged from Walter Reed on Monday and is currently working from home. Two U.S. Navy SEALs were lost at sea during a mission in the Middle East this week to seize weapons heading from Iran to Houthi rebels in Yemen. The American forces were swept away when trying to board an Iranian vessel that was carrying advanced conventional weapons, including missile components. The United States is keeping pressure high on the Houthis and yesterday carried out more strikes against the group in Yemen, targeting four anti-ship ballistic missiles that were about to be launched. Correspondent Trey Yink says the Biden administration Administration plans to redesignate the Houthis as a terrorist organization. In another sign that the war between Israel and Hamas is widening, Pakistan today blamed Iran for an attack in its territory. Hostilities are now boiling over into the greater Middle East, with Iran launching attacks in Iraq, Syria, and Pakistan in the last two days. Dizzying flashpoints that risk spiraling even further out of control. Correspondent Chris Livesay says there was some encouraging news from Gaza today. Hamas agreeing to allow medical supplies to the more than 130 Israelis they continue to hold hostage. The first lawsuits have been filed in connection to that Alaska Airlines flight that lost a door 16,000 feet off the ground. The harrowing incident caused panicked passengers to send what they thought were their final text messages to loved ones. This woman explains what that flight was like for her. It felt like turbulence because like my seat shook. Um, it woke me up. And then I look over and there's a hole on the side of the plane. And in that moment, I'm just like, oh God, I'm going to die. I'm still shook to this day. Like It doesn't feel like it's real. Even though I was literally sitting in the seat, it just doesn't feel like that it actually happened to me. Alaska Airlines Flight 1282 was traveling from Portland, Oregon to California on January 5th. When the door blew off, the plane landed safely with just a few of the 177 on board suffering minor injuries. It is worth mentioning, however, that the seats closest to the door that blew off were empty. The American Cancer Society is out today with its 2024 cancer report. Since 1991, there's been a 33% drop in cancer deaths in the United States, but certain cancers are on the rise. Colon cancer is now the leading cause of cancer deaths among people under 50. Prostate and breast cancer are once again the leading cancer diagnosis in males and females, respectively. For the first time ever, the ACS projects over 2 million people will be diagnosed with cancer this year. 
The chief science officer at the ACS recommends exercise is a great way to combat possible future diagnosis. I'm Michael Kastner. Thank you, Michael. Still to come on the Noon Report, a midweek edition, tracking deer with drones, lake flakes in ski country, and space heater safety tips. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams, tracking lake effect snow today, region-wide snow tomorrow forecast details in 10. All right, Kevin, we'll see you then. Snowblowers and shovels working overtime in the snow belts of western and central New York and northwestern Pennsylvania today. We are expecting, as was noted, uh, one to two feet and possibly up to three feet localized. Erie County, New York Executive Mark Poland cars asking businesses to let employees work from home today so as to minimize traffic on the highways. We really want to keep the number of vehicles off the roads in the next day or two, uh, just just so that we have an opportunity to get out there and clear the roads. Dozens of districts have canceled school and all after-school activity in ski country. With the coldest day of the year upon us, officials are offering advice on how to use space heaters in the home. Local firefighters George Breeze and Brett Graham say if you use a portable heating device, keep everything at least three feet away. If somebody is being irresponsible and uses a space heater in an unsafe manner, that can quickly become a tragedy where somebody ends up getting severely injured or killed. Make sure that you plug it directly into a wall uh, and not into a power strip or an extension cord that's not designed to um, handle that that sort of load. And a lot of times that's what we see, you know, as a cause of a fire. We want to make sure that once you're using it, you go back and you actually feel the plug to make sure the plug or the outlet, the receptacle, is not hot. If it is hot, unplug it right away. According to the National Fire Protection Association, 88% of home heating fire deaths involve space heaters. Also, never leave a space heater on while you are not at home and avoid using alternative heating sources like ovens to stay warm. New York lawmakers trying to make sense of Governor Hochul's $233 billion budget proposal. She says the key to slowing out migration is making housing more affordable. Also, the governor wants to commit nearly two and a half billion dollars toward alleviating the migrant crisis. We're doing this not just because it's the right thing to do for the migrants. We also know that companies won't do business in New York if there are thousands of people sleeping on the streets. Hochul proposed yesterday closing up to five state prisons as well as part of her criminal justice reform. Critics contend closing prisons will exacerbate New York's crime crisis. People still need to go to jail, unfortunately. And our feeling is we should be putting people in jail rather than closing prisons around the state. Senate Minority Leader Rob Orr. This is the only area that Democrats want to shrink government is when it comes to the criminal justice system. We know where these prisons are. These prisons are going to be upstate. And they're going to be in districts led by Republican senators, Republican assembly members. There are 32,000 inmates incarcerated right now in prisons in New York. A tax credit rent rebate program is being expanded in Pennsylvania. Nearly a half million elderly residents are eligible for the savings. Governor Shapiro says those benefits are increasing from 650 to $1,000 each. That means $350 more in your pocket for you to spend on groceries or whatever it is that you want to spend it on. The governor says because of changes to income eligibility guidelines, an additional 175,000 Pennsylvanians can cash in on these savings. We made sure that
that your social security check going up wasn't gonna knock you out in the future from getting your property tax relief. And one of the things that might be a concern up front is can we handle that many new applicants? Well, the, the answer to that is yes. Pennsylvania Revenue Secretary Pat Brown says lottery proceeds will fund the, the tax credit rent rebate program. The deadline to apply is June 30th. Plans are moving forward to create a 514 memorial to honor the 10 people killed in the mass shooting at the Buffalo Tops store on May 14th of 2022. The 514 Memorial Commission says the public will get an opportunity to weigh in on the memorial site. Peyton Gendron, the Binghamton area teen responsible for that shooting, is facing the death penalty. Don't look now, but gas prices in Pennsylvania are about 30 cents lower than they were this time last year. That's according to AAA. The average price in the Keystone State today is $3.33 a gallon. That's four cents lower than a week ago, 10 cents lower than a month ago, and 30.3 cents lower than January 17th last Last year in New York, you'll pay even less. 325 a gallon. Sarah Harnish, Family Life News. Thank you, Sarah. Legislation in the works in Pennsylvania would allow hunters to use drones to find the deer they've shot. Say you hit one and it rains or you lose the blood trail and you don't know what to do. You don't know which way to turn. I mean, a lot of us have been there. All you have to do is call in one of us. We're FAA licensed. Dallas Furman owns Nighthawk Drone Services in Lancaster County. Michael Yoder's founder of Drone Deer Recovery. I think that the game commission in Pennsylvania will see how this technology can be used for good and, and I believe that they will come around to allowing it. In neighboring Ohio, hunters are permitted to use drones to find dead or wounded deer, but it's still illegal in Pennsylvania. Travis Lau with the State Game Commission says most hunters oppose deer drones. The uh, suggestion of, of implementing technology into hunting is something that the majority is going to oppose. So I think that the more we talk about drones here and and the possibility that they might be permitted for hunting, the more we'll really find out about how hunters feel about it. State Senator Jarrett Coleman says with the advent of drones, hunters have an additional tool to reduce the amount of dead game that goes uncollected. So how can there be global warming when temperatures are as low as they are today? That's the question dominating the climate change debate these days. Here's Family Life's Greg Gillespie. Climate scientists are debating whether there's some reason that climate change is producing some cold parts of the winter. MIT scientist Judah Cohen found evidence that rapid heating in parts of the Arctic and high snowfall in Siberia knocked the North Pole air much further south three years ago. Exeter University's James Screen told CNN his own research concludes that Arctic warming is not a trigger for colder winters. Climate change proponents and opponents only have about a century's worth of modern scientific data. That's only a tiny fraction of the Earth's total history. Greg Gillespie, Family Life News. All right, Greg, the debate continues. Let's switch gears next. Talk sports. It's the two-minute drill on the Family Life Noon Report. 
Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, the Philadelphia 76ers won their fourth quarter, which also gave them the win over the Denver Nuggets last night. The Sixers outscored Denver 27-17 in the final quarter, and that propelled them to a 126-121 victory. Once again, it was Joel Embiid leading the way. He had 41 points and 10 assists. Tyrese Maxey almost had a double-double of his own. He had 25 points and dished out nine helpers. Elsewhere, the Suns won by a bucket over the Kings, 119-117, and the Clippers beat the Thunder, 128-117. On the ice, the Rangers have won back-to-back games after taking down the Kraken 5-2. Vincent Trochuk got the scoring started in the first, then Eric Gustafson, Blake Wheeler, and Capo Keiko followed suit. Wheeler then added an empty netter to round out the scoring. The Islanders did not fare as well, losing in Winnipeg to the Jets 4-2. Other teams picking up wins were the Avalanche, Caps, Stars, Blackhawks, Flames, and Oilers. Let's talk football. The Pittsburgh Steelers will not be looking for a new head coach next season. Mike Tomlin has agreed to come back and coach the team for at least one more year. Tomlin has spent his entire 17-year coaching career with Pittsburgh. And in Philadelphia, it's the end of the road for Jason Kelsey. The seven-time pro bowler and 13-year veteran told his teammates he was retiring after their loss to Tampa Bay over the weekend. Kelsey helped anchor the Eagles' offensive line his entire NFL career and was a key clog in their only Super Bowl championship in 2018. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy. Still to come on the Noon Report, it's game on in the Granite State. Bitter cold and heavy lake snow. Plus, combating loneliness during the bleak midwinter. We'll get some real answers with Chris Anderson. Coming up. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. With Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Last week on NBC's Meet the Press, Joe Biden's deputy campaign manager, Quentin Falks, was asked what the president's top priority would be if reelected. His reply, quote, first of all, Roe. The president has been adamant that we need to restore Roe. It's unfathomable that women today wake up in a country with less rights than their ancestors had years ago, end quote. And the president himself seems to sense that this is among the very few issues that's trending in his favor. One political analysis concluded this, quote, when abortion rights are on the ballot, They win with voters across the political spectrum. In an imminent presidential election, one that promises to be especially contentious, the received wisdom among progressive candidates now is to vow to preserve at all costs this so-called right to choose. And it's likely then that the voters will then choose you. Of course, this reveals as much about the rest of the progressive agenda as it does about so-called reproductive rights. It's more than a little ironic here to see the heightened emphasis on abortion, considering how often Christians have been accused of being one-issue voters. Post-Roe, it seems, left-wing politicians are forced to be more honest about how central abortion is to their own political project. In so many ways, abortion symbolizes the worldview in which autonomy and self-expression are the highest possible values. It's a logical endpoint of the pursuit of so-called freedom from constraint, devoid of any notion of freedom for a created purpose. 
This deadly logic has become increasingly obvious in recent years as imaging technology and neonatal care has made the humanity of the preborn undeniable. In fact, quite a few pro-abortion activists have acknowledged this. So what if they're human, these activists ask? Their death is an acceptable price for women to maintain absolute control over their own bodies and futures. If our vision of freedom requires people to die, so be it. Still, it's important to note that after the demise of Roe v. Wade, abortion is heavily restricted or banned in 24 states. And there are a few hopeful signs that the public hasn't fully bought the logic of extreme activists, at least not yet. For example, pro-abortion candidates, at least on the national level, still seem to feel a need to pretend that they find abortion distasteful. Last year, President Biden prefaced his support of abortion by saying, quote, I'm a practicing Catholic. I'm not big on abortion. So ultimately, the argument to defend preborn life remains unchanged. The unborn are innocent human beings, made in God's image. No one should be able to take their lives. And despite recent setbacks and disappointments, we can at least agree with the president on one thing. To deprioritize this issue should not be an option. The stakes for our society and for its most vulnerable members are simply too high. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Shane Morris. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to Breakpoint.org. Thank you, John. Outside we go next to very busy Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Blustery and cold. We've got variable amounts of clouds and sunshine, couple flurries. But again, heavy lake snow and blowing snow will cause travel issues in the snow belts east and northeast of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. High temps, teens and low 20s. For tonight and tomorrow, a general snowfall region-wide, but heavy lake snows will continue east of the lakes. Low temperatures tonight, teens. High temperatures tomorrow, 20s. And some snow on Friday with high temperatures in the mid-teens to the mid-20s. All right, Kevin, thank you. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's going on Wednesday, January 17th. On ice. That's what much of the country is today. On ice or under snow, reporter Maggie Vespa. Trees in Texas, frozen solid, while parts of Pennsylvania are buried in snow. Oh man, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Roads slick with ice, creating a hazardous mess across the country. The Arctic air impacting travel with thousands of flights canceled, correspondent Nikki Batiste. Crews in Chicago setting fire to train tracks to get rid of ice buildup. And some Tesla drivers are struggling to charge their vehicles, saying the cold is draining their batteries. The South is also getting hit with unusually frigid conditions. Icy roads wreaking havoc in Alabama. Meantime around here, it's the lake effect. It's the big story. Some of the more persistent lake belts south and east of Lake Erie and Ontario could see two to three feet of fresh fallen snow by late tomorrow. It's game on in the Granite State. The Republican race for president focused on New Hampshire now. The three remaining candidates have begun the short sprint to next Tuesday days first in the nation primary now uh, have our eyes on a very special place you know what that place is new hampshire <laughs> donald trump arriving in new hampshire last night fresh off his big win in iowa he's getting a boost in his campaign from vivek ramaswamy who dropped out of the race after a disappointing fourth place finish in the hawkeye state we are in the middle of a war in this country and right now we need 
a commander in chief who will lead us to victory in this war. Political pundit John Dickerson says the New Hampshire primary will impact greatly the political fortunes of both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. DeSantis put a lot of chips on Iowa and the electorate there should have matched up with him. You know, New Hampshire is not a state for him. Once we get to South Carolina, if he doesn't participate in New Hampshire, a thousand things could have changed by then. So I think DeSantis is in a wobbly place. Haley's in a wobbly place in part because she's just not yet taking on Donald Trump. Both Haley and DeSantis promised to employ new strategies to try and gain ground on the front runner. This while President Biden remains confident he'll beat Donald Trump come November. I'm still the only person to ever beat Donald Trump. And I'm looking forward to do it again for the good of this country. Polls show the race between Nikki Haley and Donald Trump getting closer in New Hampshire, where four in ten voters are registered as independent. A deal's been reached to deliver medical supplies to Israeli hostages in Gaza. As part of the deal, more aid will be rushed into Palestinians in the war-torn region. More than 130 innocent Israelis continue to be held against their will three months after they were taken hostage by Hamas terrorists. The U.S. Supreme Court has rejected an appeal from a public school in Indiana over the use of bathrooms by transgender students. The Metropolitan School District of Martinsville, southwest of Indianapolis, appealed a court ruling upholding an order granting transgender boys access to the boys' bathroom. Federal appeals courts are divided over whether school policies enforcing such restrictions on which bathrooms transgender students can use violate federal law or the Constitution. Jim Crisula reporting pro-family groups argue that privacy rights are at stake whenever school districts open up boys' and girls' bathrooms to transgender students. Congressional Republicans are sharpening their swords when it comes to former pandemic point man Dr. Anthony Fauci. They're planning public hearings late this spring on the government's response to COVID-19. Fauci took heat last week for suggesting there wasn't much learning loss when schools shut down. You're listening to the Noon Report a Wednesday edition on Family Life. Good afternoon. I'm Family Life News anchor Sarah Harnish. Every other Wednesday, we come to you with real answers from a biblical worldview. Answers on emotional health, faith, marriage, parenting, personal growth, and pursuing the relationships that matter most. With me is Christian counselor Chris Anderson. Hey, Chris. Hey, Sarah. What's going on? Today's topic is loneliness. It is winter. The holidays are over. Our families have gone home. We're back at work. It is cloudy. It is dark. The days are short and it's the peak time of year for loneliness so what are some simple tips that you've got Chris to be okay this is a huge topic but we'll just hit some of the main ones today you know I would say more people deal with seasonal blues than are really aware of but often we're lonely because we may be making false assumptions about ourselves and our abilities and then projecting those beliefs onto others meaning we look at ourselves a certain way we judge ourselves a certain way and then we believe others are judging us that way as well and this isn't often true and this in turn increases our 
anxiety and decreases the likelihood that we'll reach out to others. So we really have to be careful of this because we can often be our worst critic. But social anxiety is one of the most frequent anxiety concerns raised by folks that, uh, that we see in the counseling world. And changing the way we view ourselves, others, as well as our circumstances to better align with the truth often holds the keys to getting past it. And then, of course, becoming more willing to reach out to reduce loneliness and isolation. And then we need to, again, not allow our fear to keep calling the shots. We need to push through the anxiety and then start connecting with folks. And the more we do that, the less anxiety becomes and the more we feel free to go out and, and interact with others. You hit the nail on the head when you talked about belief systems, because that is it right there. And I've realized in my own personal life that my belief systems don't always line up with the mind of Christ. And so one thing Correct. that's really helped me is spending time with God in the morning before anything else, because for me, that negative thinking will hit me before I even get out of bed. At one point, I actually started sleeping with my Bible next to me, like in the bed, not on the nightstand, but like right there <laughs> and a devotion so that before those thoughts come in, before I even get out of bed, I get in the word. Before I grab my cell phone, before I go to the bathroom, I've got God in my head. So how do you align your thoughts with Christ? How do you Philippians 4, 8 and think on what is right and what is true and align those belief systems when you feel so alone? Your idea of having the Bible there and getting into God's Word in the morning is great suggestion, Sarah. You know, posting reminders around your workspace, your house. You know, I like to utilize that reminder feature on my phone to send me a reminder at various points during the day with a piece of scripture or just take a break for a minute or two and pray at, at various points during the day. You know, I also encourage my clients to use a therapy journal. And basically what this is, is where you can take time to write out your concerns, give them some serious focused thought when you're able to, and then share it with somebody else. Or if you're in counseling, share it with your counselor. You know, I also write my prayers out at times to help focus my prayer life. And I have a whole trove of prayers typed and saved in an online journal that I can then refer back to and repray, if you will. And this helps keep me focused. It helps me to just sort out some of the other junk from other worries and fears that trying to distract me. And also, you know what, try to foster one to three close friendships with whom you can really be your authentic self with. I mean, this is so helpful and really attacking that what we call in the recovery world, stinking thinking. There is something to be said about writing the verses of the Lord on the walls of your house, right? So I think you just gave all the women out there a get out of jail free pass to go to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> you take all those Hobby Lobby signs and put them all over our walls. But it's true. Having scripture in front of your face, it changes your thought life. Mm -hmm. The other thing I would say, too, is how can worship and gratitude play a role? What are some ways that you can incorporate both of those? Worship is not just going to church services. We live on a very rural road here in western New York, and I was walking down the road. It was one of the first days of the new year, and I was just reflecting on what we do have in our area. And I'll be honest with you, I am not a big fan of gray skies whatsoever. And ask anyone who knows me well, and they'll, you know, they'll tell you that oftentimes my heart and my mind drift back to the days of when I was a missionary in Jamaica for a few years. But I just had to thank God, though, for the beauty of our area and the great people in our area. And I just turned this walk with God into an act of worship and gratitude at the same time. You know, we, we got to just expand our minds out a little bit in our definition of what worship really is. I mean, it's not just sitting in a church service. It's how we incorporate God and His Word into our daily practice of life and practice of relationships. And, you know, I also encourage my clients, again, to actually make a list of their blessings, literally count your blessings. And you'd be amazed. That really holds a lot of power because it's godly, too. You know, review that list frequently until it becomes more natural for your mind to drift into the positives instead of the negatives. Real Answers comes to you every other Wednesday. You can hear more of this feature at familylife.org slash new
News Podcast. All right, Sarah, thank you very much, and Chris as well. This is the Noon Report on Family Life. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. We're tracking heavy lake effect snow this afternoon. Those traveling in the snow belts to the east and northeast of Lake Erie to include Buffalo and east and northeast of Lake Ontario to include Watertown are under the gun. By tomorrow, it's a region-wide snow as a disturbance crosses the area from the west, so it's a winter weather pattern to be sure. For this afternoon, blustery and cold, we've got variable amounts of clouds and sunshine, couple flurries, but again, heavy lake snow and blowing snow will cause travel issues in the snow belts east and northeast of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. High temps, teens and low 20s. For tonight and tomorrow, a general snowfall region-wide, but heavy lake snows will continue east of the lakes. Low temperatures tonight, teens, high temperatures tomorrow, 20s, and some snow on Friday with high temperatures in the mid-teens to the mid-20s. All right, Kevin, great work at the Weather Center. Finally, from us at noon today, a determined digger may have saved a whole lot of lives in Pennsylvania's largest city. Listen to this from Family Life's Brian Query. A four-year-old husky named Kobe became a hero in his Philadelphia, Pennsylvania neighborhood by uncovering a potentially life-threatening gas leak in his owner's front yard. The saga began when the persistent pooch started digging a sizable hole in the yard. Initially, his owner, Chantel Bell, dismissed it as typical dog behavior, but quickly realized it was something more. He kept digging holes in the yard. I didn't think anything of it. Checked the hole. It was gas. Bell promptly contacted the authorities about the issue, and workers discovered three main gas leaks in Bell's neighborhood caused by aging pipes and rust. Kobe's actions not only saved his immediate surroundings, but also underscored the importance of paying attention to the behaviors of our furry friends. Brian Query, Family Life News. All right, way to go, Kobe. And with that, we're out of time, folks. That's the world we live in. Wednesday, January 17th. I'm Bob Price. Family Life. News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.